0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another RobCast. This is episode 122, and this one is called We Need to Talk About Politics. I've been doing this wisdom series, and uh, just felt like I should uh, do an episode on politics, and then we'll continue on with the wisdom series later. But everybody else is talking about politics. It's in the air, and I want to name a few things that are in the air because we need to think about politics in some new ways. So first off, uh, I want to talk about the origins of the word politics. Then I want to talk about policy. Then we're going to talk about what happens when politics gets hijacked. And then I want to talk about energies, establishments, invitations, and perfect candidates. And then uh, I want to tell you where I think the whole thing is headed. And then I want to talk about you and your anxiety, because I have interacted with more people who are talking about this particular election, and the word they use is anxiety. The sense, like, what's happening? Are we Have we lost our minds? Where is this whole thing headed? So we need to talk about politics. And first, well, by the way, last, uh, I think it was last year, I did a series of episodes on politics and guns, and... Uh, So let me just review real quickly a couple of things that I covered in that series just to make sure we're all up to speed, and then uh, we'll go from there. So first off, the word politics comes from the Greek word politikos, and the word politikos means citizen. So politics refers to the life of the citizens, how we arrange our common life together. So politics is a good word. Politics is a good word. It's how we arrange our common life together. So when you turn on the faucet in your house, water comes out. Where did that water come from? Who decided that the water would come the way that it does to your house? What happens if there's a drought? Where is the water sourced from? Who filters the water? Who decides whether the water is filtered and clean enough to come to your house? Well, somebody was appointed, elected, hired, named to a committee, to a team, to an office, to a a water commission, a board of water and light, a county commission, a water uh, agency, whatever it is, somebody did the work of figuring out how to get water to your house. And that person was appointed, elected, elected hired, named somewhere in the political system that is how your state, province, city, town, neighborhood, municipality is organized. So when someone's like, "Um, I'm just not into politics, do you shower? Because then you are. So politics is simply how we arrange our common life together. Water, roads, electricity, food that has ingredients listed on the outside. Why do companies put ingredients on the outside? Because we have some policies, some rules, some laws we've come up with uh, so that people know when they buy food what's in the food so they know what's being put in their bodies. Those are all ultimately political decision. So the first thing we have to reclaim is politics as a good word. It's how we arrange our common life together. And you are deeply political, how you live your life. You are the beneficiary of literally thousands of political decisions that have been made in order to get you what you need so that you can go about your work. Then I would add this, there is something sacred and holy about our shared Life together. Uh, we only have one planet. We are all citizens of this one planet. How we care for this planet, it, it, there is something sacred and holy about that. So when people talk about politics, they talk about it negatively and how they're not into politics. It's important for us all to acknowledge we're all in to politics. We're all the beneficiaries of politics. Politics is simply how the citizens arrange our common life together. And there is something sacred and holy about our shared life together. Now, uh, for many people, the moment you use the word politics, or man, you're getting political, that's a negative term. So I want to I, I walk through why that has become that way in our culture. But first, I want to talk about the least sexy word in the English language. And of course, you know what that word is, policy. Policy comes from the word politics. And policy is how, get, how things get done. So we come up with policies or laws or amendments. Uh, there's other words for it. But Policy is how things get done. Policy is how we arrange ourselves. So, uh, you weigh policies, and policies are created, and then people argue for them, and then people weigh what's good about this policy and what's bad about that policy, and people compromise in order to make progress. By the way, the quickest way to change the discussion this Thanksgiving when it gets political, because everybody has a brother an uncle named Phil who watches Fox News, right? <laughs> the quickest way to change the discussion is to talk about policy. Because when you talk about what's the actual policy in play here, how have, has the U.S. government handled this before? How has the U.S. government handle it now? What are the pros and cons of that policy? What other possible policy decisions could be made? Uh, the moment you simply say, oh, uh, well, what's the policy? what's our policy been? Why do you favor this policy over that policy? Nothing changes the discussion faster because you find out who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. You find out who has some working knowledge of how our shared life together works and who is literally just spouting off cliches they heard on the internet. I'm telling you, it's the least sexy word in the English language, you want to bring any conversation to a screeching halt, just say, well, let's analyze that policy, shall we? And yet, policy is how things get done. So politics is a good word. It's how we arrange our common life together. And policies are are how politicians work to make things done, and, and the citizens. Now, let's go back to this truth that there's something sacred and holy about our shared life together. Because what's happening right now is a massive number of people have some sense like our shared holy life together has been hijacked. And so I actually think there are three, there, there are lots of things, but I want to talk about three different ways that our shared life together uh, gets hijacked. And uh, hopefully I want to name what you've been feeling, the, like the buzz that's in the air. Uh, the first thing is when our, our common life together gets hijacked by obstruction. Obstruction is when a politician says, my number one goal is to stop that person from getting anything done. This person is in the way. You're not helping you're not honoring our shared sacred life together. So for example, if somebody is opposed to the president, and so they say, my number one job is to make sure the president accomplishes nothing. A better way to say it would be, we have a shared common life together. We are working to find common ground with the president. We haven't found that common ground yet, but we're going to keep trying. So one of the ways that you get angry if you're like me and lots of people, and there's all sorts of polling and data on this. One of the things that makes us feel like our shared life and our political process has been hijacked is when it feels... Excuse me. When it feels like someone has to sneeze, but they keep talking. Um, That was a big one. Okay, one of the ways that gets you most cranked up is when you sense that this person isn't first and foremost driven by our shared common life together, but they're driven by stopping someone else. Nothing puts more toxic water in the system than somebody who appears to have as their greatest goal not getting anything done. So what we need is we need people in the political process who, even if they're deeply opposed to particular people, people's policies, speak and frame, because, of course, language has a framing power to it, frame things. Hey, we have not been able to come to any resolution or compromise, but we will keep working. We will keep trying. We will keep sweating it out because we are hopeful that we'll figure out some way for all of us to find some common ground here. So so sometimes what happens is you're upset, you're unnerved, you're angry. Sometimes the reason why people talk about politics and use it in a negative term is it feels like our shared common life has been hijacked and sometimes it's been hijacked by obstruction. People who have been voted into power using that power simply to bring the whole process to a grinding halt. Secondly... I would argue that one of the most grievous things is when our shared common life together gets hijacked by theater. Theater is when people make grand gestures when they talk on and on, when they throw things around, but they don't actually talk about substantive issues of policy. One of, one of the things that we've seen obviously the past year is that Donald Trump do- knows next to nothing about policy, about how our shared life together actually works. So when asked a question about cyber attacks, the answer is not, uh, my 10 year old son's amazing with computers, that's not an answer. Uh, When people throw things around like, this president doesn't care about America, or uh, those people are fine with children starving, they don't care. This is all theater. This is just throwing things around, and it actually wastes our time. I know for many of you watching the debates and just hearing talk, 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 that isn't rooted in actual knowledge about policies and about how our shared life together works. So when you talk about Syria, the environment, China, trade, immigration... Big, grand statements that demonstrate a thorough lack of knowledge about the actual policies in play. It's when the thing gets hijacked by theater. And this is what we've seen in this election cycle like never before, and it's deeply, deeply disturbing because there's something sacred and holy about our shared life together. And when people with the microphone aren't serious about actual steps with actual policies, it's, it's deeply, deeply grievous. So there's obstruction, there's theater, and then uh, there's profit. Profit is when you sense that the game is rigged. Profit is when you sense that this politician is owned by institutions, individuals, corporations, businesses, and profit is when you sense that somebody somewhere has written some big checks, and this person owes somebody something, and that if elected, they are going to use their power to benefit those people who help them obtain that power. Profit is when you smell That somebody who is at the center of our shared common life together is actually owned or has to respond to somebody who gave them lots of money. It's when you sense that somebody has hijacked this system for their own financial profit. And this is why it gets us so angry. And this is why we just want to walk the other direction and drop the whole thing is because when somebody takes this shared, sacred, holy space among us and they hijack it so they or their business or corporation can make more money. (sighs) It's a deeply, deeply destructive, toxic thing for our life together. So perhaps you've had this sense of obstruction that just makes you furious. These people aren't serious about actually moving the thing forward. Perhaps you've had anger and frustration with theater. Like this is all just, just distraction, this is all just giant statements untethered from actual details and policy. Or maybe you have, maybe it's just the sense of profit. Somebody somewhere has figured out how to game the system for their own bottom line. And I would argue these are why, for so many people, the word politics has such a nasty taste in their mouth. Now, uh, four things about our political process. I want to talk about energies, establishment, um, openings, and perfection. First off, energies. Uh, As you think about our shared common life together, the holy sacred nature of all of us sharing a country, a continent, a planet, a town, a neighborhood, a city council, uh, it's important. And what wisdom does is reads things at a much deeper level. And here's what I mean. If you think about the Trump campaign and you think about the Bernie campaign, at the core of these two constituencies was a deep, deep distrust and anger about the system. Essentially what we've had and what we've experienced over the past year, year and a half, is literally tens of millions of people saying the game is rigged and the system isn't working for us. Now, I realize I just put Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders in a similar category, so hang with me. (laughs) I know, whoa. Hang with me here. These two constituencies may have very different agendas, very different views. They may come from very different parts of our society, and on the surface— They may contain all sorts of things within them that are completely repulsive, everything from misogyny to just flat-out racism. But I would argue that what we've seen over the past couple of years is tens of millions of people essentially saying, sometimes very inarticulately, sometimes violently, sometimes in maddeningly frustrating ways, as I would argue you've had tens of millions of people of saying, this game is rigged for the people in power with money and it isn't working for lots of us. This system isn't working for us. And so what's really important when you think about the spirituality of politics is to remember when it's not working for someone, that's really, really important to pay attention to. Even if you So completely disagree with them and laced in within that are all sorts of attitudes and biases and bigotry that you just make you crazy. Still, spiritually, if tens of millions of people are being left behind, this is not good for our shared common life together. This is not ever going to turn out well. And so what's really, really important right now is that we listen to what is it about this that isn't working? What is it about this setup and the current system that is leaving so many people out? Because if we do not listen and we don't think long and hard about what that is, um, it will always Come back around, and everybody will be the worse off. Now, energies. Second, establishment. For ma- for many people, if, if you're like me, there are moments when you're just like ah, you just want nothing to do with it. But anybody knows, anybody knows what I'm talking about? You're you're you just like throw up in your mouth, and you're like all these people are crazy, uh, and a part of you is just like forget it, I'm out. And so so you you see a movement of people who are like I'm not voting which is fine. I totally get that. You don't want to vote. You want to opt out by not voting. Fine. But here's the problem. Somebody else then will step in. And when we decide not to participate, then somebody else will. And the future is not everybody opting out and just trusting that somehow it'll get figured out. The future is people being more informed, more engaged, people calling out the nonsense, the theater, the profit, and the the obstruction earlier so that it doesn't gain an ahead of esteem and become entrenched. Now, let's think about this in terms of establishment, anti-establishment. Let's think about this in terms of the profit and the wonk. Okay, the profit and the wonk. Historically, there has always been this role of the prophet. This is the person who says, this system is jacked. It has lost the plot. It has become corrupt. It is the person who throws stones at the establishment and says all the way back to the Hebrew prophets, you have traded the poor for a pair of sandals. Uh, You have lost a heart for the poor and disenfranchised, you have, you have wandered from your calling. And so there is the prophet who stands outside of the establishment and calls the establishment out, speaks truth to power, and names all of the ways that it's broken, corrupt, and misguided. And we have to have the prophets who make America rage again. There is the role of the prophet, and you always need the prophet. But then there is the wonk. W-O-N-K. And you know who the wonk is. The wonk is the person who's on the inside. The wonk is the person who says, I'm going to learn the policies inside and out. And then I'm going to go to meetings. I'm going to go to hundreds of meetings. And the people who I think are crazy, and if Coley missed the point, I'm going to schedule meetings with them. And I'm going to argue for a better policy. And I'm gonna to try to show them where I think they're misguided. And I'm gonna to try to bring them closer to this center. I'm gonna to try to give them more data and facts so they can see that there's a better way to see this. The wonk is not the person standing outside throwing stones. The person has rolled up their sleeves and they've gone inside and they're like, I know it's not that sexy. I know it's not that impressive, but I'm going to grind it out. And I'm gonna do it with integrity and honesty. And I'm gonna to go to more meanings and I'm going to meet with more people, and especially the people who seem the most corrupt, like they've lost the plot. I'm going to have meals with them. I'm going to send them emails. I'm going to have meetings with them, and I'm going to work to bring them to a better place because I think there's a way we can actually do this. And here's the thing. You need the prophets, and you need the wonks. You need the people out on the street with a sign making noise and protesting, and you also need somebody with heart and soul and integrity who's like, okay, we're gonna figure out how to make the water cleaner. Okay, we're gonna figure out how to patch up the roads. Okay, we're gonna figure out a, a better policy with Syria. Okay, we're gonna figure out how to deal with these refugees. Okay, we're going to figure out what to do with this situation. And uh, by the way, to all of you listening to the Robcast who you're like, oh yeah, I'm a wonk. That's what I do. I deal with the spreadsheets. I deal with details. It's not very sexy. It's not very glamorous, but we actually deal with the ins and outs of actual policies. Big shout out to you. Huge love to you. What you do is a holy, sacred thing. And to all you prophets, of course, much love as well. But the danger is that the prophet discounts the wonk. And the prophet just says the whole thing is corrupt. The whole thing is just gone to hell. Forget it and walk away. Because the prophet will walk away and get in their car and drive home on roads that somebody somewhere figured out how to keep functioning because... Politics is about our shared common life together. And it, politics is expressed in policies. And you being able to drive to a rally where you protest the establishment happened because somebody figured out how to make those roads work so that your car could go up and down them without falling into massive potholes or driving off a cliff. So uh, we need the wonks and we need the profits. And right now there's a great temptation to just abandon the whole thing. I totally get it. I totally get the don't vote. I totally get the nobody for president. I totally get the like, forget it. This whole thing has lost its way. It's just a giant theater of the absurd. The whole game is rigged. Why even vote? I totally get it. But then you can also argue now more than ever, people need to step in, which we'll talk about in a moment. Now, we've talked about energy, talked about establishment. Third invitation. I actually think that what's happening spiritually is a giant question that everybody is being asked. The world has changed. Uh, I believe it was 2008, 48% of births in America were to non-whites. And I remember somebody saying, um, I remember it was was maybe a year or two after that. I remember an analyst, a very wise writer saying, that statistic will tell you everything about the future of politics in America. And I remember thinking, oh, that's something really profound, and I don't quite get it, but um, that sounds like somebody is saying something very significant there. The world is more diverse. America is more diverse. And this diversity is creating all sorts of new challenges and opportunities. And I would argue spiritually the thing that's in the air right now is you're either closed and resistant to the new world we find ourselves in Or you're open to it and you find these new challenges invigorating. A lot of people think that that's the fundamental question behind the Brexit vote in England. Uh, And obviously, there's all sorts of arguments there. But at at a deep level, are are you closed to the new world that is emerging? Or are you open? Are you resistant to this new difference and diversity? or do you find it an exciting, invigorating new opportunity? When a candidate running for president says something like, are any of you like me just wondering where your country went? Uh, This is like a dog whistle for race and difference. Essentially the person is saying, "Are, are any of you like me wishing we could go back to when everybody looked the same? And it's important to understand that's what the candidate is saying. They're saying, no, this is not a new opportunity. This is not a new invitation. These are not new challenges. They're going to bring all sorts of beautiful reward to them. This person is saying, can't we just go back to how it was? But here's the thing, we're not going back. Because the universe is not going back. It's been expanding for 13.8 billion years. It's been increasing in depth, unity, complexity, and diversity. The universe is only going one direction. So maybe there's some things that we left along the way that we need to reclaim. And some things that we picked up along the way that we need to let go of. There's always those two moments that, that move on parallel tracks, but we're not going back. We're not going back. The whole thing's moving forward. And deep, deep in the spiritual heart of the world, and I would argue at the heart of America, uh, you think about this is a country that was founded on saying, Yes, come here, give it a shot. Yeah, it's America. We're all a nation of immigrants. So let's go. You're welcome. Come on in. Let's try some. Let's try some things. Let's see what we can do. That's been the lifeblood of this place. Are you closed or open? What's true at a socio-political level is true for individuals. When you face new things, when you face new difference, new diversity, new challenge, new disruption, does it shut you down or does it open it up, open you up? Does it make you bitter or does it make you better? And I would argue at the heart of this election season, this is the question below the surface that runs through the whole thing. And the truth is, we're not going back. The whole thing's going forward. And then, and then uh, one more thought, energies, establishment, closed or open. One, one more thought about this. Sometimes what you'll pick up is that somebody is sort of bewildered as to why there isn't a perfect candidate, or they'll actually spend a moment learning about policy and, and sort of be uh, shocked that there isn't a perfect policy. As if, if you could just have a perfect person and they could just make perfect policies, we'd all be all set. Sometimes you'll, you'll pick that up with people. Like, because sometimes you'll hear people talking like, I feel like I'm just voting for which option is less worse. Um, and obviously some years it feels like that more than others. Some elections, it feels like that more than others, but let's go, let's move down a couple of layers because politics has an element of conflict, tension, and mess to it that are inherent to our shared common life together. And you have to make peace with that conflict, tension, and mess. Here's why. Uh, Let me think of an example. Okay. Let's think about your money. Let's go back through how you've spent your money over the past 10 years. When you think about how you've spent your money over the past 10 years, is your first thought, oh yeah, perfect decisions. I would have made those exact decisions if I were to do it over again. Or if we were to go back through how you've spent money over the past decade, would you say, yeah, I, I spent on that, but I shouldn't have. I actually should have spent on that. And there was that opportunity, and I totally missed that when that would have been a very smart thing to spend money on, but this thing over here, I can't believe I spent money on that. How many of you can totally relate to that? Of course, yeah, okay, now, how many of you have a partner? Let's go back through how you spent money over the past 10 years with that partner. Was it all smooth? Were you guys endlessly like, oh my word, I totally agree with you, what an excellent decision. You, you know what, our values are perfectly aligned around this particular dollar sum. No, it's a little messy. Or think about the life you have with a partner or a family, or perhaps you work in business, healthcare, law, education. And when you think about the past decade, and, and maybe you were just, you running a business with three people. Maybe you were in a, a, in a setting where there were six of you employees. Um, was it just endless smooth sailing? Everybody got along fine. Uh, by the way, I talked to a guy just recently who works at Starbucks. He said the number one problem is getting along with the other people who work at Starbucks. It's not making the coffee, it's not making a profit, it's not keeping the place clean, it's not keeping the machine, it's like, oh yeah, people getting along with each other. That is the thing, it's like it takes all the time. Other than maybe making some coffee, it's pretty much about trying to get along with the people you're working with. Which I thought was very, very interesting because remember, if politics is our shared life together, then what's true at the individual and at the interrelational with a couple people will simply be magnified. So when you think about the four people you've been working with, the three roommates, you've been trying to figure out who cleans the place. People aren't paying their share of the rent. Someone keeps leaving their shoes on the coffee table, that sort of thing. Now, if you talk about a country, let's let's say America, and you put 300 million plus, if you have had to work it out, it's been a bit messy with your three roommates or with your partner and your two kids. Why are people shocked when it's a little bit messy when there are 300 million? Why, why would that be even remotely surprising? And if you think about the limited resources you're working with, like in your life, there's X amount of money and there's all these things that you'd love to, to buy. Now, amplify that to a nation state. Yeah, exactly. There's limited resources and the needs are endless. So figuring out who gets access to those resources is going to have some conflict and some tension and some discussion and some debate, of course. Actually, my beloved friend Peter Rollins has this great line about how war isn't conflict. War is the inability to handle conflict. War isn't conflict. War is what happens when people are unable to handle conflict. It's when people can no longer make peace with the fact that of course there's gonna be conflict between us. Uh, We're passionate, driven human beings and these people want the resources to be spent this way and this person wants the resources spent this way and the veterans need better healthcare and the public schools are falling apart and your husband wants a flat screen TV. So (laughs) that's how life is. So a policy then a policy is an attempt to come up with some arrangement that hopefully, if the process hasn't been hijacked, benefits the most amount of people. Of course, it will never be perfect. Of course, it will never be seamless. It'll have edges. Not everybody will get what they want, of course. So, so to a number of people, I think the actual issue is growing up and maturing and facing how it actually works. So the political process can easily be hijacked by a number of things. But all of you who actually work, let's say at a local town council level, the conflict, that's the juice, that's the mojo, that's how it works, is you get together, you roll up your sleeves, and you all figure out how to find common ground. And it's not because somehow the process is flawed, it's because that's how we all work together. Actual grown-ups are needed here. This, of course, is, is why uh, the Trump campaign has put so much toxic, destructive energy into our system, is this is a very, very, very small man who doesn't have an understanding of policy and who assumes and acts as though there is no conflict and things are really easy if stupid people would just step aside and let winners in and all these things would, would just be fixed quite quickly. No problem, I'll just do it. Um, this is somebody absolutely divorced from the reality of our shared common life together. Nothing works like that. Those of you who own a business, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It, blood and sweat and sleepless nights and integrity and honesty, and negotiation, and wrestling through how to make complicated decisions in the face of the complexity of life is actually how it works. So, uh, maybe someday there will be perfect candidates, but for now, let's abandon the immature adolescent ideas of perfect policies and perfect candidates, and let's embrace how life works, is with all integrity and diligence, you do your best to come up with ways to organize your family life, kids, business, office, country so that you all together can take a few steps forward. And of course there are times when it's going to feel like we took steps backwards. Of course you're going to say, "Man, that what are we thinking?" I think it's shocking when candidates are told, "But you did this in 1994." What do you say to yourself? Um, And what's so fascinating is how people think that that's like, man, we're going to take this candidate a point with this question instead of, oh yeah, that was 1994. That was uh, 22 years ago. I've learned a lot since then. I made that decision at that time because that's how I saw the world. That's the information I had at that time. That's where I was. I've grown. I see things differently. (laughs) I've learned. Uh, Why is evolution, growth, and maturity somehow held against people? Uh, so, So let's All grow up and face how the thing actually works now uh, a couple of thoughts real quickly here about what I think where I think it's headed first off uh, I think the future two parties really seriously two parties why are there only two why isn't there a green party if we don't take good care of our earth we won't have an earth why isn't there a green party where else in life are you only given two options Why isn't there a political party that is fiscally conservative but socially progressive? Wouldn't that that just be obvious? Uh, Why aren't there, I I guess we do have a Green Party, why isn't that Green Party have more people in it? Why isn't it uh, have a higher profile? Why did, in this election season, people say there are two people running for president when there are actually lots of people running for president. Why doesn't the media give more attention to the other parties and the other people why are there only two dominant parties yeah it's crazy other countries don't have this particular setup I wonder actually if what the internet has done is the internet gives you options and what what you are seeing emerging is a whole new generation it's gonna be like wait why are there only two parties that doesn't make sense why aren't there more why why aren't there more options so I think you're going you're going to see and perhaps what's happening right now with the the sort of er- What's the word for it? Eruption of the, r- the Republican Party is, it's two parties aren't enough and uh, we need more. Secondly, I think in the future, you're going to see much more interesting debates. I think people are have had enough of theater and I think you're going to have debates where people acknowledge the complexities of how the world works. I think you might even return to longer debates where you actually have to have a working knowledge of, of the major policies. And so the, so the debates become very interesting because they're actually talking about how do we arrange ourselves. Uh, there's these famous stories about President Lincoln debating for hours and people listening because it was like you were learning and you had a back and forth and an acknowledgement of, that's an excellent point, uh, but you have to consider this point as well. It's interesting now in the debate, like the vice presidential debate, when uh, the vice Donald Trump's vice presidential candidate Mike Pence was essentially saying a number of things that are wrong in the world are the fault of President Obama and Secretary of State Clinton, and that they messed that situation up and they messed that situation up and that's a mess because of them. And uh, when asked, "Well, what would you do?" the response was. <laughs> Uh, I would form a coalition of allies in the region. So what you're saying is what you would do is, in that region, um, talk to our, our allies, our partners, and um, figure out a strategy going forward. Yes, that's what we do. W- well, what do you think we've been doing for a number of years? We've, we've been trying to form coalitions with our partners in the area. So I think what you're going to see is people just get smarter about this process and not allow people to say things that don't hold up. And this is why you and I knowing more gets so interesting. Now, uh, where am I at? Oh, yeah, yeah, a couple more thoughts. And uh, one about sacrifice. I actually think you're gonna have a candidate come along in the future who, have you ever seen those town halls where people are like, what are you gonna do about my, How are you going to fix my lawn because my neighbor's dog keeps peeing on it? You know that stuff where people ask the president, like, how are you going to? I think you're going to have a candidate come along who turns it around and uh, and, and says, the only promise I can make is that you are going to have to sacrifice. We are all together going to have to lean in and nobody is going to get everything they want but if everybody is willing to lean in and give up a little and make a little sacrifice, then together, all of us are going to be able to move forward. Think about the future, the history of our country. When people did say things, JFK, ask not what your country can do for you. We go, yes, yes. Uh, This is why wars often bring nations together is because it doesn't become about each of us and all the things we want the government to do for us, and it becomes about everybody pitching in. I think you're going to have candidates in the future who are going to say, listen, we have to care for our environment. We have to care for the world, or we're not going to have a planet. Listen, our urban schools aren't cutting it, and this is going to affect all of us. So everybody needs to do something about this. Everybody needs to sacrifice a little. I think you're going to have somebody come along who, who just, like, this is not about all the things I'm going to do for you. This is about all of us together, leaning in a little, so that we can all take a couple steps forward. And then lastly, right now, if you told me that you're running for public office, what we all sort of understand is there are these rules, you're going to have to have a bunch of donors. And so when you think about running for president, previous to this year, it was like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to have to have tons of people giving you money and you're going to have to have super PACs. You're going to have to have all these sort of shadowy sources that fund you. But then when you get elected, you're going to owe them a bunch of stuff. I actually think what's going to happen is people are going to reclaim our shared common life together. And they're going to say, no, enough of our common space being hijacked by profit. And so, I'm even wondering if you're gonna have candidates come along who are like, no, I don't take money from anybody. The, the obviously the power of the Bernie campaign was Bernie going, no, this is gonna take a, this is gonna be, have to take a revolution. What if in the future, every candidate has that sort of transparency? What if, if you're f- taking money from corporations that becomes sort of gross? Like, ooh, why would you, h- how, how did that person get in? What if the whole thing flips? What if the whole thing flips from, of course you have to take money. That's just the way the rules are played. What if we change the rules? What if everybody rises up and we're like, new rules. You don't get to be controlled by corporate interests, period. And if you're controlled by corporate interests, you don't get to have your hand on our shared common life together. What if we all decided? (gasps) Come on, come on. Raise your glasses. So good. I wonder if... Your knowledge of policy becomes the dominant thing. Who actually knows how the thing runs? Who actually can talk policy? And those become the dominant things. And so the complexities and the paradox and the nuance become what we expect instead of like the soundbite thing and the tweeting thing and that, well, was it entertaining or not? What if the whole thing shifts and it's like, wait, this is our shared life together. This is poverty. This is taxes. This is war. This is the environment. We need people who talk about this as seriously as we all are taking it. So we can't have theater. This, if this fits in a tweet, something's wrong because we all know, you know what your life is like. Tweet about your marriage. Tweet, give give me really short tweets about what it's like to be a parent. What is it like to try to keep your business in with making enough money to pay everybody? You know exactly, you're a student. Just tell me how hard it is to work two part-time jobs and try to get through school and also take care of family members who are ailing. Uh, that, That doesn't fit too well in a tweet. It's complex, it's hard. It's got all the subtlety and nuance to it. It's got blood and sweat. So why then, in our shared common life together, this weird thing has happened, where the person, the 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 short punchy statement that doesn't even have to be even true somehow gets all of the attention? Obviously, a great deal of blame is for the media who sensationalized. There's accountability here. But what if we all just said no? uh uh-uh. Uh. We need leaders who are willing to treat this with the seriousness that it demands. And actually, if it takes them five minutes to explain a position on a particular issue, we go, oh yeah, yeah, that debate, that issue and that debate probably should take an hour because it's a really complicated, significant thing. What if the whole game changes? Because this has happened before. Whole systems have changed. People, the masses have simply said, wait, Women should be able to vote. The masses have said, there should be no more slavery. The masses have said, why are we at war there? What are we doing? Like this has happened before. And, and perhaps the, the terror, tension, anxiety, frustration, and anger about this election cycle is because a whole system, a whole establishment game isn't working. Anymore, And sometimes things have to die so that new things can be born. All of everybody going, what is going on with this election? Maybe it's all so that we all together begin to imagine a better future for our shared common life together if we all reclaim politics for the sacred, holy thing that it is. Mm -hmm. I know, man, oh man, I get a (laughs) lot... All of a sudden, I was like, I get a little fired up about this. Okay, uh, one more thought. I want to talk about you and your anxiety. Because the terror of a Trump presidency, and conversely, the suspicion that the whole game is rigged, uh, has created, I've picked up everywhere. I even picked it up in Europe. Like this, like anxiety, like what is happening? Um, So first off, and I don't say this tritely, we'll get through it we'll get through it. Four years from now, we'll be talking about a, a different election. We'll, we'll get through it. So for those of you who are like, oh, are we all, you know, where's the, what's going to happen? Is our country going to fall apart? Uh, no. Has everybody lost their minds? No. Um, is an insane group of people with pitchforks going to somehow take it? No, <laughs> no, no, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Um, and we'll get through it. And, uh, The better informed we are, always, everybody has said this forever, the more informed everybody is, the better, and to me, it all begins with the word policy, so every single issue you hear somebody talking about, just ask yourself, what's the policy? And not what someone told me the policy is, what's the actual policy in play here? What's actually the thing on the line? Um, By the way, if you think like this, you'll be shocked how often you thought you understood the policy, you do like two minutes of diving and you'll realize, oh, this is about a bunch of other things. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. Um, and then secondly, I wanna talk about you and your energy. And I specifically want to talk uh, to those of you who have been sending articles around on Facebook a lot. Every party you've been to the past six months, you've ended up going on and on and on. I wanna to talk to all of you who have tremendous energy surrounding this election. Um, here's the thing, what the internet has done is, is giving you a way to pass your opinions and anxiety around without actually doing anything. Now, obviously people getting smarter and more informed is great, but here's the thing. We need you in the game. So if you're that person, I just love politics and you know who you are. And if you know who your friend is, then you're gonna have to talk to your friend because here's the thing. We need you in the game. We need your energy. How much energy have you spent the past nine months thinking and talking about politics? And what if you had focused that on actual change at the grassroots level in your town? See, the internet's easy to spout off and send video clips around and show people why the, the opposing candidate is going to, doesn't love America or is secretly a spawn of Satan or whatever it is. Um, you you know what you 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 need to get in the game. You actually need to go downtown or go to your city council, or you you, you actually need to get in the game because we need that we need that energy. We don't need that energy spreading another opinion on the internet. We need that energy channeled into actually policies, actual policies that make people's lives better, that make schools better, that make streets safer, that help inform people about the real issues at play. So if you're that person, here's the thing. We need you to help change the system instead of just talking about it. We need that energy. I love meeting people who are involved in the process. I love it. I especially love meeting people who are involved in politics at the local level. Because quite quickly in talking to them, you realize how many people are just throwing around cliches and misinformation. Uh. Because you start asking them questions like, okay, how does the prison system work? Okay, help me understand education. Okay, how does water work or invent environmental care? Or how do certain places get named as a preservation zone? Or how does the taxation work with small businesses? It's unbelievable how much you'll learn and you'll realize these people are like the heroes because they've they're like they have the maturity to actually enter into the arena. They have like the sweat and the blood and the conflict and the meetings and the like holding opposing positions with somebody, but then working with them. Most people, the moment they have somebody who even slightly doesn't have their views, they just lose their mind and you just have an eruption on Facebook. But then when you meet like actual people involved in the political process and they're on a board, they're on a council, they're on a commission, they run for sixth precinct, whatever, and they're working with people and they have very different, beliefs and convictions about how it should be run. And yet they're working together and they've learned that that conflict is all the lifeblood. It's the mojo. It's the juice. These, and you know who I'm talking to, whether you're on the board of the library or the education council, whatever it is, you people, you. Yeah. 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 We need more of you. We need more of you. So if you're, so for all of you who have tremendous energy about this, but you aren't, actually involved at the street level, we need you to get in the game because we need that energy. We need you to channel it into actual policies that actually make people's lives better because you're better, uh, you're better, you're better than that, you're better than that. We We got more for you to do because there's this shared holy thing we share, which is this common space between us. And uh, the name we give for that is politics. Yeah. My friends, there you go. There's 50, (laughs) 51 minutes on politics because we needed to talk about politics. And now, there we go. We've talked a bit about politics. Yes, my friends, may grace and peace be with you.